Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Are you building your life on a firm foundation this morning? That's what matters, amen? Hallelujah. Lord, I pray as we look to your word, your Holy Spirit would quicken it to our hearts. Anoint these lips of clay today. May you accomplish what you need to in each of our lives as we look to your word this morning. We give you thanks in advance for the miracles that will happen today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated if you're able. This morning, we conclude our series on the the seven churches of Revelation. And uh, throughout this study over these weeks, uh, we've seen the Lord come uh, and speak into the life of these churches. You see, we have to make a decision, Calvary. Is this your church or is it his church? Well, if it's his church, he's got a few thoughts. If it's his church, he's got a few ideas. And that's what he does as he comes to these seven churches. And this morning, we come to the last of those churches, which is the, the church at Laodicea. And uh, this is where the, the greatest challenge for a pastor comes when, when we look at some very stern words from the Lord. Because, you know, I, I'm a positive preacher and I want, to, I want to communicate the life and hope. And you know, when you... Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, the scripture says. And God loves us so much, he gave us the letter to the church at Laodicea. Uh, And all of us are somewhere here. I said all of us are somewhere here. You see, here's the deal. Uh, You know, I, I, I teach a lot to pastors and leaders around the country. I was just in El Paso yesterday uh, speaking to a group and uh, I was doing a session on insecurities and, and uh, people, all the incredible insecurities people have. I do, I do a two hour session on that. And uh, sitting in the room was a leader I know who's probably the most insecure person I've ever met. So he sits through the two hours and fills in the blanks and the, and the notes. And after, when it's over with, he comes up to me and he says, wow, that was good stuff, where'd you get it? <laughs> he, he missed the whole point. See, he got nothing from it. So I know you're gonna sit here today and say, this is for somebody else. But my suspicion is, because you know that's one of my spiritual gifts, the gift of suspicion, that all of us are here somewhere, okay? All of us are here somewhere. And this is not not a pretty picture, but it is the Lord speaking to this church. Verse 14 of Revelation chapter three. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Oh my God. I mean, this is the Lord saying things like this. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed. 
that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The reality is that the letter to the church of Laodicea is a love letter, and it contains some of the sharpest words you'll ever find in the Scripture coming from the Lord himself. He is the Lord who loves, and yet in the face of a church that was heading down the wrong direction, he is saying, something's got to change here. Because who the Lord loves, he chastens. And this is coming from the Lord himself, and it's one holy spanking is what it is. And I'd like for us to receive this word this morning from the Lord Jesus as a shaping experience for us. He says, as many as I love, I, I chasten. These things saith the amen. He's basically saying, I'm the last word to the church. I am the amen. Through these weeks, we've talked about him as the leader of the church, as the life of the church, as the Lord of the church. And this, the concluding letter, he is Christ, the amen, the last word to the church. He speaks amen. And he's not only saying the word amen as a concluding word, he is saying amen as a confirming word. His wisdom, please receive it. Having said that, he said, I know your works, in verse 15, that thou art neither cold nor hot. And he said, I wish you were cold or hot because you're lukewarm and it nauseates me. Jesus, the head of the church, is saying the head is nauseated in in his stomach by the things that he sees. He says, I wish you were one way or another. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a coffee drinker and I like my coffee hot. Now, Starbucks and a few other people have convinced us that cold is good too. The cold brew is good too. They're figuring out more ways to sell this stuff to us. Hot or cold, but I can tell you this, lukewarm coffee is awful. And what the Lord is saying, you know what? If, if you're hot, I, can, I know how to identify with that. And if you're cold and you need resurrection, I know how to identify with that. But lukewarmness is saying, you don't need anything from me. You think you have it all together on your own. You have said, I'm rich and increased with goods and don't need anything. That's what you said. And the Lord says, I'm gonna tell you what I say about that. He's not against us having things, by the way. The Lord Lord wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have stuff. The problem is he doesn't want stuff having you. Mm Mm-hmm but we fail to put a priority on our relationship with him over other things. Something, the Lord says, is driving us apart. You're cooling off, and it makes me sick on my stomach because I see the fact that you are on your own and you desperately need me, and you don't even know it. The Lord is not putting a premium on either poverty or abundance. He's putting the premium on a relationship with him. See, the problem with a rich young ruler, he couldn't have without being had. And that's what's happened to the church of Laodicea. The words to the church of Laodicea, 
There is a subtle invasion of a spirit of independence in your own mentality. The word spoken to this church, very characteristic what I, of what I think is going on in the church worldwide, especially in the U.S. in the last days. The invasion of the idea, I'm making it all right, is what begins to crowd in. Dimensions of possibility that Jesus says, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you having that mentality because it's destructive. He said, I'm gonna come and tell you how it is because you're in big trouble unless you get this straight. Suppose that somehow you have, have, have arrived, you're reasonably comfortable, you are not victims of a ghetto situation because you're reasonably faithful. I wanna see where that threat of independence is in your own life. None of us are immune to this feeling of independence. That somehow we can manage everything on our own. Somehow this is my stuff. Somehow this is my deal. Somehow, you know. And the Lord says, really? Really? You have found yourself at a place where you feel totally independent of me? And then he says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. See, he counsels them for three things. First, buy of me. You don't buy from Jesus money. You don't buy from Jesus salvation. You don't buy health. You don't even buy counsel. He says, I counsel you to buy of me. I'm gonna tell you what you're buying if you'll buy of me. You'll buy wisdom. You'll buy value. You will develop character in your life if you buy of me. So many people have crashed and burned because their character didn't match their accomplishments. And the result is they lost everything because their character sabotaged their blessing. And so the Lord says, buy of me, buy of my will, buy of my, my values, buy of those things that I declare are important. Real value, see, the, the scripture says that, that we redeemed with things more precious, like silver and gold. The trial of your faith, he says, is more precious than gold that perishes. It, it's unshakable in its worth and value. The development of character in each of us. Buy of me, because in me, you will have wisdom. In me, you will have knowledge. In me, you will have character. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the little African kid who made this incredible little thing by hand little bracelet for one of the missionaries. And she, the little boy walked nine miles to see her and give her the bracelet. And she was so impressed by what this little boy gave her. And she said, son, I, I, I regret you had to walk nine miles to come to me to give me this. And the little boy responded, he said, the walk was part of the gift. The walk in Jesus is part of the gift. Character. Character doesn't come without fire. He says, I counsel you to trade in the value that you placed on, on how you look and how you feel. Christian history is riddled with people who look good, but their character couldn't back it up. Jesus said, let me make character in you. It takes time. 
You, you can't get oranges that take a year to grow. You can do that or you can go down and get plastic ones for a dime. The instant you look good, stuff doesn't answer to the, that stuff doesn't answer to the need. You can have the show, but you don't have the, the character to back it up. And so the Lord says, buy of me. It's more precious than gold and silver. Secondly, he says, white garments are what you're to wear. Those white garments are the garments of purity. And he speaks of, of that whole issue about purity in their lives. The heart of purity really is simplicity. It's zeroing in on one thing. Jesus says, I counsel you for your nakedness to get white garments. In exchange for your nakedness, the garment of joy and peace, the garment of purity. White garments replacing what you think is of value, what you think is of importance. And then he says, I want your, the blinders taken off of your life. I want to anoint your eyes with eye salve. So you can see what I see. Can I say to you, church, you can walk all over and drive all over Greensboro and never see the need in this town. I said, you can go everywhere and still pass right by need everywhere and not even see it. And the Lord's saying, excuse me, I wanna, I wanna get the, the cataracts off your eyes so you can really see the way things really are, so you can really understand the needs of others, so you can really realize the things that break my heart, the things that I see that desperately, uh, people desperately need to know me and know my love and, and know my grace. Laodicea, I want to put some eye salve on your eyes to remove all of those things that you think are valuable, that you think are important, so you can actually see things the way I see them, so you can understand things the way I see them. Peel back the cataracts so you're able to see again. And then he finishes by saying, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, so be zealous, therefore, and repent, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Here are the three things he's saying to the church of Laodicea. He says to Calvary Church, be zealous. In other words, get the fire back in your life. Hello. Be zealous again. Get back where you used to be. Get back to your first love. Get back and be zealous. I got to tell you, I, I feel intimidated and, and pray every time as I was this past week in an airport, in the middle of an airport where that's filled with tons and tons of people, there's a middle-aged man right in the middle of the airport. He spreads out a mat and he gets on his knees and he prays to Muhammad. Five times a day he does this. See, most of us in this room don't even realize that the Muslim faith has taken over the world. I, I wish I had the stats to show you because some of you wouldn't believe the stats. There, there are countries in Europe that have already been taken over, just in case you know, don't know. And it's happening in America. The point I'm trying to make this morning is, is there's so many people that are worshiping a false god and they're far more dedicated than we are. They're far more dedicated than Ron is to pray to a, to a God who can't hear you, to pray to a God that can't change a thing in your life. And yet we, men and women who name the name of Jesus, 
will come and go here and there and it's just commonplace for us and we don't recognize how grateful we should be about the Jesus who lives in us, for the God who changed our lives, for the Lord who transformed us. Come on, somebody. It's time for somebody to get zealous again. It's for somebody, time for somebody to start believing what we preach. Pardon me, I'm gonna get excited here today. I hope I don't wake some of you up. Well, I do hope I wake you up. So. It's time to get zealous again. Is he worth serving or not? Is he worth your life or not? Is he worth your time or not? Is he worth your talents or not? Is he worth it? He died for you. Surely he's worth what you have to give. And so the Lord says to the church of Laodicea, get zealous. Be zealous again. Secondly, since that went over so big, let's go to the second one. He said, repent. In other words, what he's saying is, I need you to change how you think. I need to change how you, what you value. I need you, you to change the things that you think are important that are not. I want to try to change your thinking, he's saying. Repent of your direction you're going and recognize you need to go in a different direction. Repent, turn and head another way. Be zealous, say it, be zealous. Repent. And then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and walk with him and he with me. You've seen the paintings of Jesus standing at the door? The artist got it right. On that door, there is no handle in that picture. There is no knob to open that door. Because you see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is not coming anywhere, he's not invited. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking every time we come to church on Sunday. He's knocking every time we make a hospital visit. Every time a, a casket's rolled out this door, he's knocking. Every time a baby is born, he's knocking. Every time we are in the middle of, of something of crisis, he's knocking. If any man will hear my voice and open the door. You see, you have to open the door. The handle's on your side of the door. Jesus is not gonna push his way into your life. Jesus is not gonna force his way into your life. The camera people are loving this. He's not gonna force his way there. So the question, Calvary, will you open the door? Because here's what this means. The Lord says, if you open the door, I will come in. You don't have to beg me to come in. You don't have to grovel for me to come in. You don't have to make yourself worthy for me to come in. If you'll just open the door, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna come in and we're gonna eat together. 
You know what it's like when you invite somebody to your house for, for fried chicken and potato salad. By the way, I'm a candidate for that. And you eat together. And the Lord says, you know, that's good. We're gonna eat together and we're gonna dine together. But you know what? I wanna live with you. Oops. I, I wanna be in your living room too. You see, I want you to acknowledge that this is my house too. <laughs> I want you to let me come in and let's just, let's just live together. Let's just walk together. Let's dine together. Let's enjoy life together. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. Would you let me in, Calvary? Would you acknowledge that you need me? Would you acknowledge? You see, here's the deal. This, the church of later says, you know what? We're, we're increased with good, we don't need anything. People that don't give to God are saying to God, I don't need you. That's what you're saying. You don't give, I don't need you. I don't need you in my finances. I don't need you in this part of my life. You know, I got, I got this. I can handle all this on my own. I don't know about you. I know more about life and know about, more about church and more about people than I've ever known before. But I know today I'm more dependent upon God than I've ever been in my life. I'm more dependent on him than I've ever been in my life. Some of you are far better than I am. You got it all together and you don't need God. And that's what he says in the church of later. See, he said, it, it, it not only breaks my heart, it makes me sick of my stomach when I realize that I got people who call me Lord and live like they don't need me at all. This is the Lord, the Lord. Again, reminded me of a story as I was driving this morning. I, I, I got up from, from down, down the road and uh, came this morning because uh, uh, furniture market's on and there's not a hotel that I, I can stay at. Uh, so I had a lot of praying going on this morning. That's why I'm so bad right now here. We, I prayed a lot this morning on the way. But the Lord reminded me of the story of Moses. He spent 40 years on the backside of the desert tending his father-in-law's sheep. And God showed up one day at a burning bush and, and recommissioned him to be the deliverer of God's people from Egyptian bondage through the wilderness to a promised land. And the Lord said to Moses one day, he said, as he was recommissioning, he says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he said, Lord, it's a stick. I've had this stick with me for years. It's, it's been a thing I used as I was tending sheep out in, in the pastures. And if you remember the passage, here's what the Lord said to Moses, throw it down, throw it down. We know the story. When he threw it down, it became a snake. He carried this thing around with him for 40 years. He never saw a snake in that. He threw it down and it became a snake. And then the Lord said, all right, pick it back up. Not by the business end of it, but pick it back up. I don't know about you, but they, I know they tell me there's some good snakes, but I haven't met one. <laughs> he said, pick it back up. And when he picked it back up, it became a rod again. But it wasn't the rod he threw down. 
he picked that rod back up, it now belonged to God. You see, this is the rod that smote the waters of a Red Sea and they parted. This is the rod that hit a rock in the desert and water gushes forth. Because now God owns the stick, it belongs to the Lord. And now he's doing supernatural things with it. Can I say today to every one of us in this room, whatever you own, sir, whatever belongs to you, there's a snake in it. There's a potential for spiritual destruction in it as long as you own it. I know of people that were part of Calvary Church many, many years, but they, they got blessed. They got resources. You know, now they may show up once every six or eight weeks because they got other stuff going on. That's what the Lord is talking about. He was Laodicea. You see, there's a potential for spiritual destruction with it, as long as you own it. We're going through a very difficult time with the business that I'm part of as a partner. I mean, it's, it's not good, it's bad. But you know what? I slept last night at total peace. You know why? Because that's not my business, it belongs to the Lord. You see, anything you worried about this past week, anything you're fretting about that you lay awake at night about, it's because you still own it. And as long as you own it, you need to be worried about it. I said, as long as you own it, you need to be concerned, sir. But if it belongs to God, then all you gotta do is pray, Lord, I need you to take care of what belongs to you. And you might be able to sleep at night. You might be able to sleep at night. And that's, what the, that's why the Lord is so concerned about Laodicea. You think all that stuff belongs to you. I told the, the Next Steps class a while ago, and I, I've shared this story one time, it bears repeating. John Maxwell, my friend, who I worked with for a lot of years, he, was, he told the story of Joel Porter, his son, who he took down to McDonald's and bought him a Happy Meal. And John Porter's sitting there eating his Happy Meal and John's watching, watching him eat it. And in a minute, uh, John just reaches over and takes a fry. And Joel Porter says, hey dad, those are my fries. You see, Joe Porter forgot something. And a lot of people that I know have forgot something. You know what you, you forgot? Who bought the fries. And if you think it's you, then you need a discernment today because I can tell you, you're only here because of God's mercy. You're only alive because of his grace. And that's why the Lord says, Moses, throw it down. And when I give it back to you, it won't belong to you anymore, it belongs to me. And if it belongs to me, there's supernatural power in it. If it belongs to me, I can do things with it. Laodicea, you think you could? You think you're cool. But what I know is you're naked and miserable because you can't see what really is important. You can't really see what matters and the day is gonna come when it's gonna crash and burn. And I am your Lord and I love you and I don't want that to happen to you. Is this a love letter or what? Whatever 
you have today, I'm gonna challenge you to throw it down. Whatever belongs to you, I'm gonna challenge you to throw it down. One last story and I'm done. Many of you have heard me tell the story about my son who now is, is in ministry and does great things for God. But we went through a time with him where he ran, he was running from God as far as he said he'd run from God. And it happened when I was going through my battle with cancer and the pain of my boy running from God was far greater pain. Some of you parents understand it. The pain was far greater than the cancer I was battling physically. And, and it was a, a battle that many of you have gone through with wayward kids. And in a Sunday night service, I was preaching in Oklahoma City. I remember this as long as I live. At the end of the service, in the altar time, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I need to say something to you personally about, about this. He said, I know you've given your boy, Kevin, to me. You gave him to him when he was dedicated as a baby. And you've struggled because he's running from me. Would you give him back to me one more time? Just give him back to me one more time. Turn him loose into my hands. And that night I knelt at that altar at Capitol Christian Center in Oklahoma City. And I said, Lord, he's your boy, not mine anymore. He belongs to you, not me. I give him to you completely. You can't make up these stories. Four o'clock the next morning, he's in California, in Southern California, and Southern California has a mild earthquake, rattled him in his little apartment, threw him out of bed, and he found himself on his knees, coming back to repentance. When it's God's, he can take care of what's his. As long as it's yours, you need to get worried. Because I don't know what's gonna happen in this world in the next days, weeks, months, or years. But I know whom I believed. And I've committed everything I have to him against that day. You wanna live in peace? You wanna live in joy? Give it to him. Give it to him. Calvary, our future is dependent upon how many of us will give it to him. If you are electing Jesus next Sunday, it, you'd still have your problem. Because your pastor is not your savior. Jesus is your savior. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to do something that's going to mess with our maintenance people. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me all across the room. If you'll just hold steady, everyone, please. I'm gonna ask you today to prayerfully say, Lord, what is it that I'm holding on to that I need to submit to you? What is it that I'm worrying about and fretting about? What is it that I've held on to? to myself that I need to put in your hands, that I need to give to you, Lord. 
what is it I need to give to you? And right there in the seat back there, there's a, a connect card or an offering envelope or a piece of paper you can take out of your purse. But I'm gonna ask everybody in this room to say, Lord, what is it I need to put on the altar today? What is it I need to give to you today? And let it, leave it in your hands. We're gonna sing in a few moments and I'm gonna ask you to, to take something in your hand that represents whatever it is that you need to put in God's hands today. Maybe you've been battling with depression. Maybe you've been down, battling with a physical issue. I don't know what it is, but God knows. Maybe it's your finance. I don't know what it is, but you and God know what it is. In the next few moments, we're gonna have chaos in this room, but it's gonna be okay because that's what God told me to do. I'm gonna ask, we start to sing in the next few moments, I'm gonna ask you to step from where you are. And when you step from where you are, you're saying, God, I'm opening the door. Come on in. I'm opening the door, Lord, come on in. Because I wanna sup with you. I want you to have all of this. I want it to be yours, Lord. And as we sing, if there's something, you know what it is, you and God know, I'm gonna ask you to take it, open the door by stepping out from where you're at and just put it here, right here on the steps, as, as if you're putting it on the altar today. And when you put it on the altar, you're saying, God, it's no longer mine, it's yours. And I submit it to you today, to your Lordship. I'm asking all across this room for us to make some solid, unbelievable decisions. We don't wanna, we never wanna be the church of Laodicea. We want to be the church that says, Lord, what we have is yours. Take it, use it to glorify your name and to help us reach our world with, your, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking you, what is it you need to put on this altar today? You and God know what it is. We're going to say, come on.